Okay, so I am Belkis Lehman, and this is a track called Lead Your Campus. And this is a session called Leading Minorities in Your Campus Ministry. I kind of like put the slash mark in there with the serving because the, the, the concept of, that Jesus gave us of leadership is one of service. And I found the title, to be honest with you, a little weird. Like, what does it mean to lead a minority? Yeah, feel free to move that. Does that make sense? Anybody else find that a little weird? So that was just me, so I put the slash in there and put leading slash serving. Uh, and then uh, I, what I did here is, and we're just gonna be extremely interactive, because we were told to make it interactive and I'm so like submissive and always do what I'm told. Uh, this is Mark, he works on my staff. Oh, I did this by accident, I did this as a joke. Someone asked, someone told me I look like this chick. <laughs> One of my students actually from Winston-Salem State University said, you look like that girl from Tangled. I didn't know she was talking about because I don't really like Disney much. But anyway, so she, uh, so then yesterday it happened to be on, like on TV. And my kids were like, mom, can, you know, my son, like, mom, can we watch TV for just a little while, please? So, you know, I put it on and anyway, it was kind of funny. And my daughter's like, am I the lost princess? So you can kind of see that's my daughter, Sophia. And that's, uh, so that was a bit of a joke. Hope you got a little, a little laughter out of that. So there you go. Uh, I do have some gray in us, apparently, because I've not been working her hair enough. <laughs> and uh, I'm going I'm to work on that. So my name is Belkis, and I wish we had time to like ask all of your names, because I would really love to get to know you a little bit. Um, and I heard that y'all from like Virginia Tech and who's from Alabama? Let's go by states. Alabama, Tennessee. Oh, those Tennessee girls are loud. Uh, and uh, I like that though. I like that. And uh, South Carolina? Yeah. North Carolina? <laughs> Are you from North Carolina? No? You just felt sorry for us? Thank you. Thank you. I was born in Florida. Florida? Florida? I grew up in Florida. I'm a foreign, I'm a from, you know, I'm an immigrant, so I didn't, you know, I was born outside the U.S., but I lived in Miami like a good Cuban girl. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, so that's awesome. What am I missing? West Virginia. West Virginia. Woo, mama, mama. And uh, is that it? Georgia. Georgia. How could I skip Georgia? DJ. I must have been hooked on a feeling and not the right one. So, anyway, so excited that you guys are here. And uh, we're going to have a conversation. This is what I really hope we have a conversation. You know, as as I, I my my bachelor's is in elementary ed, my master's is in TESOL. You guys know what TESOL is? It's teaching English to speakers of other languages. It's like ESL slash EFL. Uh, you guys don't know what EFL is? It's like English is a foreign language. Like if you study English in like China, anyway. So uh, I love to teach. The the, word, the the terrible thing about a teacher is you can talk for like five hours and not say anything anybody would want to hear. You know, like if you're teaching language, for example, the hardest thing in language to teach is vocabulary. Because think about it, like I want to learn Chinese, I'm going to learn 10,000 Chinese words and I go to China and none of them ever come up yeah. that I need to know. You know, none of the words I need to know at the moment, right? So vocabulary instruction is the hardest thing in language instruction because it's like, you know, hitting that, you know, it's a little bit like sorcery. Uh, so <laughs> anyhow, uh, so I really want us to chat a little bit, but I put a description on here because I was given a description and asked to teach this thing and it has some stuff on there. And I thought we could kind of work off of it and talk about it a little bit. Maybe I could say some things, you could say some things. Uh, but it says catching the vision of reaching the underserved on your campus. And I think that's, that's got a lot right there, you know, like the underserved. I think that phrase underserved could hit different people different ways. Because we live in a time where, uh, you know, we're like, are people underserved? Who, you know, is it reverse racism? The whole, there's just so much complexity to racial relationships, aren't there? And so, you know, what do you think about like the underserved? Are there people that are underserved? And who are they? That's kind of one question that we might talk about. And then uh, by engaging minority students, I guess that kind of answers the question that these are people underserved. But anyway, minority students, does that mean ethnically, ethnic minorities? I think that's probably what it means, and that's why they asked me to like, you know, teach the thing. 
empowering them to lead, listening to their felt needs, and evaluating effectiveness in this area. I don't think we're actually going to do all of that in like uh, the next uh, the next hour. That's a lot. That's like that's like a huge huge thing. Um, so I do want to offer this. We are actually going to. Mark, who works on our staff, is here. I guess videoing me. Hello, uh, camera. Uh, and, uh, and he said, "Hey, we can put this on the YouTube channel." So we um, can cut this part out. Hopefully. And um, anyhow, we we're, we're probably gonna, we just put together a staff course. We're probably going to be putting together a student course in the next little while. That'll that'll be kind of thing you do just do on your own. You know, like anybody who's done like online courses, you just do on your own. And so we'll probably do something again. If you're interested in something like that, um, Mark, maybe you could send out like a piece of paper around, and people can like write your write your name and like your email address. And we will like when we launch that, which I, I can't really tell you when that will be. Uh, we will send that to you, and then maybe we can like give you all this. Oh, Mark, you just go in my notebook. Uh, you can just go. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a woman. I carry a lot of stuff in my purse. You can just go in my purse there and you find it. We can go into all these topics. I doubt we can actually do that in the next hour. Okay. Uh, but um, so let's just chat. So when, why are you here? Like, what is a question that you want answered in this session? Because that's really helpful to me. You know, I was I read the description and I thought, man, I hope that we get this question answered. How about you guys throw out some things? Questions you want answered in this session? Yes, ma'am. Tell us your name, because I like to know who people are. Hi, I'm Sierra. I'm from Oregon Coast University. It's a 14-hour drive to get here. Um, my niece from school there. It's a great school. But one of the things, one of the things for us is we know we have, like, we know we have international students and we're trying to reach them. But it's, it's hard to find them and also figure out, okay, what are their needs? Because like, the office of international education is like, doing stuff, we never know what they're doing. So one of the questions for me is finding them and then how do you figure out what the needs are? Okay, so you want to talk about this engaging yeah. portion. Okay, good, good. That's helpful for me. How many of you guys want to talk about that engaging? How do I find people? I think that you all are here, so you already have a motivation factor. I don't need to spend time telling you how God wants you to like reach the nation, something like that, right? We're already motivated, we're already on to the how-to. Yes? Okay, so how do I find people? Yes, your name and where you're from. Jasmine. Okay, I know you're Jasmine. Yeah. <laughs> but um, once you like, find and you know the people who make up this understood, and you want to, to help, I think that's Cultural differences. So engagement, cultural differences. Probably gonna do like just do three at a time because otherwise I'll totally forget them. Uh, so my my brain like three maybe like the max my brain can handle. So over was it you that had yes? Yes, uh, we Tennessee State University. Tennessee State, you said? Tennessee Tech. Tennessee Tech. Yeah. Um, along with minority students and also international students. We can also grow, um, especially students, the next year as well, because I can see a lot of the primary hands Yes. I think one of the questions that we ask, and we, we just did this staff course I told you about, and we have a worksheet that we give people who go through this class, and it's called Who's Missing? And it's a great exercise for all of you to do, even maybe before you leave SALT, is who's on my campus but I not believe? And, and like BJ was talking about, uh, one of the leadership principles, um, is you like attracts like. So I tend to attract people like myself, and I tend to be attracted to people like myself. You know what I mean? So, you know, people like, you know, really, really, yeah, no, I'm just joking about that. Uh, so, you know, I, 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 people who are like me get drawn to me, and so maybe I think I'm being really effective, but I'm not really raising up other people, and I'm not really reaching the things. So I have to think very intentionally, and that's where intentional exercise is like saying, who is on this campus? But not in our group, whether that's ethnically or a special, you know, special needs person. And you know, like this statement that you know you made about your cousin, who went six weeks without another human being talking to them. And you said he had a really great attitude about it. That's probably because he's used to it. You know, you get used to like dysfunction. We get used to dysfunction. And uh, you know, Fidel Castro was a student in the United States. And uh, he didn't really have a good experience here. We saw how that, you know, ended up. 
And uh, I remember the, the president of Pakistan some years ago, she was a student in the United States, and she said, and all the time I was there, I never made a friend. And, and we, it's very easy to go along your life and just make friends with the people who are naturally drawn to you. And I think that's what, there's a word we use for that, and it's called maturity. I'm not being facetious, I'm being very serious. When you're five years old, it's fine that your friends are people who like the same princess. Or the Cars movie. I'm, I'm talking, that's when my kids were five years old, like my son was in the Cars movie, and that's probably old movie now. I could be 13. Uh, but, you know, it's fine that that's it. But when you're like 25, that's, that's inappropriate at that time. You're grown up now. And in between five and 25, we need to be on the journey of being like, yeah, I don't naturally click with this person, but that doesn't mean they shouldn't be my friend. I need to like, I need to do the hard work. It's hard work. Here's the thing with special needs people. Let's be honest, it's hard work. It's not easy. It feels a little weird. You wonder if you're gonna do it wrong. And I think we wonder that a lot with any any like relationship that's different. I had a gal come up to me yesterday. I wonder if I'm gonna say, uh, in the group that I did, the lunch group at the African American Leadership Conference, somebody said, I have this friend, but I don't know how to ask her questions and wonder if I'm gonna offend her. And I say, well, try this. I wanna ask you a question, but I don't wanna offend you. Yeah. I know that sounds really silly. I'm a Cuban, so I'm very direct. <laughs> okay, and I find that sometimes that's just really, it works out really well that way. Or, you know, hey, I, you know, I've had this huge journey that the whole African-American culture now where we plan a mainstream history school about college. So I walk into a campus often where, you know, if I'm there by myself, I'm, I'm, you know, there may be like 200 students in the union and I'm the only non-black person, you know, there. And I'm, you know, I'm not going to say like I'm uber comfortable, but I have a pretty high level of comfort with it, okay? People kind of look at me, also I'm older, so they know I'm not a student, you know? <laughs> so there's that kind of like, why is she here? Who is she? Is she a professor? You know, sometimes you can think of a professor now that's like, get to have what happens. Anyway, so, you know, it's like, you know, so I'm like, so you, you get to this point of, of being comfortable, but you have to, but when I started my journey, you know, back when I was at Eastern Michigan University, where I, I did ministry for 14 years, I just asked a lot. I met a friend with a girl named Adrian Crawford, who kind of took me into her wing, and she taught me stuff. And I said, can I ask you a question? 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 And I just asked a lot of questions and I learned some stuff. Does that mean I know everything? And then I moved from like the Midwest to the South where it's different. <laughs> so all the stuff I learned up there is like, not useless now, but not as useful as it used to be. So now I'm like all like, I met a girl at a historical back college who's also a hunter. That does not happen in the Midwest. <laughs> Black girls do not hunt in the Midwest. Okay, so I'm like, well, that's, yeah, cultural, you know what I mean? I, I don't know what to do with that. Because every in the Midwest, all, black, all the black people live in cities. There's no country people. But that's not how it is in the South here. And so I'm like, oh, that's different for me. So I'm, I'm learning again. Does that make sense? So there's that comfort level is just being a little bit like putting it out there like, I don't know this, can you help? And you know what? I find that most people are pretty gracious with that. And then you asked about engagement, Sierra. Sierra asked about engagement. Uh, what do you guys think? Have, have you guys doing anything on your campuses that are working for you with engagement? Um, what, what I would suggest doing is, like, we, we kind of have the same um, issue. We had a student who, you know, really felt drawn to the international students. And so um, what we did was, we just reached out to the international office and said, you know, hey, when can you add us to your email list and whenever, you know, you have things happening, can you, you know, give us an email? And so, I mean, we thought about it with our international dinners and, and stuff like that. So I, I would just suggest reaching out to them and, you know, let them know that you that you want to be a part of what they're doing. I'm sure that they would gladly, you know, keep you in a loop on now, some people will not gladly keep you in the loop, but you can do it slightly. Uh, so, depends on your campus, just being real honest with you. Depends on your campus, but, but the suggestion is still a good one of, there are things going on. We tend to think, to engage people, we need to put on something. Does that make sense? We need to have an activity. 
but they're all, you know, the, the, the Black Student Union or Black Student Alliance or, you know, a Latino group or the international thing or depending on your campus, it could be like Asian Student Association or Chinese Student Association or, you know, whatever. They have, in, they have events and you could go to those. So, you know, you don't have to always get people to come to you. Actually, I would advise not making that your first thing you do. Because if your first thing you want to do is be a learner, how can you put on an event if you don't know anything about these people? So first you have to go find out about them and, and be a learner. So you're never going to stop being a learner, but start your learning by going and just, just sitting, just listening and stuff. Did you want to say something over here? I thought you I, I thought somebody kind of like, was it somebody over here? Well, I think she's going to agree because what we have right here is we more space to be that big soccer team in California, in the two forms. But we have a dinner meals, and not just meals, but to agree with that suggestion. It took a long time for relationships to be established, but it started with making connections, not just in the international office, but in offices across our campus, like across our campus. And so now there's relationships where they reach out to us and our director. And that's how we have like a strong, but that's how we have so many interventions connected. But it took a long time for that relationship to develop. So you're saying that number one, and I think this is some good principles here, you have to find where people are at. Yeah. Two, you need to go there. Three, you need to be around a lot. And, and part of that is we have a different definition of friend. In the US, you know, I might say, oh, I'm, I have this friend named Jasmine. She's from Georgia. How many times have we met J Jasmine? Four times. Okay, to an Asian person that is not a friend, that's an acquaintance. So we, in the U.S., we use the word friend very loosely. That doesn't make us bad people. That just is just different. Okay, but we use the word friend very differently. So to, in order to become a friend, it's going to take time, and there's a trust factor. Now the trust factor is going to be different in different ethnic groups. You know what I mean? If you go in, uh, so international students sometimes they're really hungry for a relationship. They they have that like desire to learn English. Okay, so the trust factor sometimes can be like it, the, the distance can be like pretty fast. I, I, I want to be your friend. Hey, you want to be my friend? I want to be your friend. Hey, this is awesome. This is great. I made a I had a when I was an intern, I did a Bible study with a Japanese gal, and she drove from Michigan to Miami. To come of course, she, she like walked in like when they said amen and done. <laughs> but she still drove all that way to come to my wedding, which is really like, you know, very honoring. And, you know, that, she saw me as a real friend. And, but she was hungry for friendship. Does that make sense? Uh, my husband, how many of you guys met my husband? He's this like, you know, guy with the beard <laughs> and, you know, chubby. Anyway, he's like an old white guy. You know, basically, we just, you know, we put it, you know, like out, right out there. So he, we had a, a shooting on one of our campuses uh, last year. Uh, African American student was shot from uh, was Santa State University, was the HBCU, was shot up with force and killed. And uh, and you know it was kind of one of these, you know, Wake Forest is a private elite school. They didn't want to talk about it much. But the black students at Wake Forest were like, man, someone died on our campus, and we don't seem to care. And we don't care because he's black. So all these feelings, you know, came up. Um, that are there, and and so the, the Black Student Alliance had a venting session, and Steve went to that. You know, the old white guy. You know, he went, but he sat in the back, and he was a listener. And when he said, "Hey, why are you here?" He said, "I just want to hear, and I want to, I want to listen, I want to learn, and I want to not, you know, know how can I serve you." And 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 he goes to the he goes to the intercultural center a lot, and I'm sure people are like, "Who are you, and why are you here?" But you know, it takes a long time because the dis the trust factor there was pretty big. Because of his age and his ethnicity, it's a pretty big distance. That doesn't mean it cannot be overcome. It just means it's gonna take longer. And I, I think that one of the things that we have to keep in mind is, and this is, we're citizens of the kingdom, okay? Uh, how many of you were born in the US? 
Notice I don't say America because that's like offensive to us Latin Americans. Okay, that's awesome, you know what I mean? And and I, I hope, I, it's okay if you love your country, you know, I wish I had a country to love, you know. But, you know, it's great that you love your country. I love this, I, I love the fact that this country took us in, you know what I mean? I, I'm, I'm really grateful, I, I, I really am. I don't diss it at all or anything like that. But this is not my home. And my citizenship is not here. And my hope is not in the political systems of this country or anyone else, okay? That's something that we have to, that's also called maturity. Now some people are old and don't have that level of maturity who are believers, but we need to pursue that as believers and say, you know what? Jesus is bringing a kingdom and has already started it that is not the kingdom of this world and this is where my citizenship is and this is my Lord of life. And I don't have to defend any political party or, or like die on that hill and like that. This is, this is where I live. And so uh, when, when we see that distance and, and I think, why is it distance there? And you have a problem. You know what? I, that's not my problem. My problem is to represent Christ. And so I'm going to do whatever I got to do to do that. And when I was back at EMU and I would meet, you know, these students from Detroit and some of them could be described as having an attitude and not liking white people. And, and I was thrown into that category. I did not say, well, this girl got an attitude. I'm out of here. I'm like, I'm not, I'm on business with Jesus. And I'm also kind of like a challenge. So I'm going to, I'm going to make this go my friend. And so there's a one girl who worked at the desk. who used to give us her key because we had a student office and she used to give the key and I had to see her regularly. And I'm like, and she did not like me, but I'm like, I'm going to win this girl over. She's going to be my friend. And so every time I would take my lunch, I would say, I, I share it with her. Because I found that giving people food. Yeah. <laughs> so I, and it wasn't fancy food. It was like, I have two pudding cups. Would you like one? You know what I mean? And, and here's the thing. People have reasons for the way they might feel about you. And you can spend a lot of time figuring that out or you could just love them. And so, you know, so you said, so we said so far, find out where people are at. Go there and take the time it takes to build that relationship. Yes, friend. And you had some to do. I also wanted to add like, mindset because the mindset plays a big part too. Because like you notice when you walk into college, like you're nervous, you don't know what to say, but you gotta think. People think exactly like you. Amen. So that's just my thing though. Like yes. if you try to talk to people, they'll be more engaging because they're interested and they want to make friends just like you. Do. That's very good. Yeah. Very good. And I, I mean, I want to go places and I don't people to talk to me. I'm kind of naturally shy. You may find out how to believe. Welcome to the club. Yeah. I was like the kid who like, if you, my mom made me kiss, like, because we're kissing, we're kissing culture, and say hello, you have to kiss somebody. My grandma sends you a hello, which, means, which we say literally, my grandma sends you a kiss. I remember being a little kid and saying to this lady, my grandma sends you a kiss. And she's like, well, where is it? <laughs> <laughs> I even had that feeling right now, I'll just be honest with you. <laughs> I was like, panic, panic, panic. this lady expects me to kiss her. I mean, really, it was like, earth opened up and swallowed me. I was like five years old, I was like, you know, and just the terror of that. And I find that, I go to places and I'm the new person and I think, well, I'm the new person here, people should be nice, should like reach out to me. You know what, I just find that they don't. <laughs> they don't do that. So I'm like, Okay, I guess it's my job to do it. So I'm the Christian, I'm Jesus' ambassador, and ambassadors, they do the work. So that's what I do. Yes, ma'am. So kind of builds off of that, I think it's really Sorry. Use your teacher voice, as I used to tell me in my teaching classes. Going off of what everyone was just kind of saying earlier, I think that, um, so like I was, like, lucky enough to be born in the U.S., but both of my parents immigrated here from the Middle East. And okay. so, um, before like they had my brother and I, and so just like obviously I'm pretty tough with stories just about them, like starting their life and everything, and like moving to Atlanta. But um, they, I feel like they obviously still like raised my brother and I with just like a lot of Eastern cultural values. And yes. So, um, I'd say that kind of going off of that, just like when you meet any kind of minority in general, obviously I think like showing them that you're fascinated with the culture that like yes. they carry and the culture that they grew up with is like a super huge thing. Because even if like I don't know, I've had, it's kind of funny because like you were saying earlier, like I've had so many people just even come up to me and just be like, hey, like, 
like not I guess like what ethnicity are you or like what <laughs> kind of or like what are you or like I know that's what are you no like I think people so like a lot of people say but like personally like I even though like you were saying it's really really easy to get frustrated but at the same time like I've just kind of gotten to the point where I'm like you know I accept that this person like genuinely like is asking me an intentional question and so I don't think that there's it's like necessary to put up like any walls or boundaries and just like honestly be honest with them because I think that a lot of people that ask you questions about your culture if you are a minority in this room like they're not they're not doing it because like they want to hate on you or because they're trying to polarize you like it's because they're trying to like really learn more about your culture and so I think that it's like super cool when people come up to me or like I see my parents talking to like their friends that obviously like aren't of the same ethnicity as us and they like ask a lot of questions and I think that that's something that a lot of minorities really value because they want to feel loved and they want to feel heard and then like through that I mean like you were saying earlier like become a friend first before you tell them about Jesus because you can't just like I don't know some people have different views on evangelism but I think that one of the coolest things that like we've been learning at Chi Alpha is uh or Chi Alpha at UT because they're in Tennessee but um I think one of the coolest things that like we have is just like that value of really being intentional with people and I don't know like what it's like at other Chi Alphas and stuff because this is my first self but um I think that one of the coolest things is just like seeing how intentional people are with each other like seeing how diverse like our Chi Alpha is and just seeing like how many different perspectives and like mindsets people have to offer and like what I can learn from like my friend Jess over here even after like however long we've been friends and so I think that like it's really cool when people are just like very very intentional with you and like continuing to like be fascinated with like who you are and then like you reciprocating that obviously to other people and so I think that's like really the core of like who Jesus is is just like loving so unconditionally Amen. Matter, like, Amen. Yes, everybody, I think showing, you know, BJ was talking about like different, like we call them tribes on our campus, when we were like talking about like reaching out to different tribes, like, you know, the gamers, things like that, Um, and I'm going to get to people who have their hands raised, so you have, it's it's showing that interest, whether it's like about your major, uh, or anything else, you know, I met a a professor at Wake, who's a Spanish professor, and he's really into this, like, very, like, theory of language uh, teaching, and he's talked to my husband and I for, like, two hours about his book that he'd written and stuff, and, you know, and just being interested in that, you know, and then it's funny, because I, I met his daughter at a coffee shop in, uh, in Winston. I was like, she's all oh, my dad teaches at Wake. I'm like, oh, what's he teaching? He's Spanish. So I met the Spanish professor, and he was telling me about this. He goes, oh, that's my dad. He's always, <laughs> he's always talking about that. So it's, it's, it's a small world. So I think what, whether it's your culture or anything else, people want to, if you show genuine interest in people, they, you know, it's just, it's so powerful. I'm going to tell you a quick story, because people tell stories. Uh, in 1999, I took a missions trip to Hungary, and we went, we did like a, it's like a music festival on this island in Budapest. Uh, called Pepsi Island, and it's like tens of thousands of people like drinking themselves silly and, and listening to music. And, and we had this bus where people would come in and drink tea. And the student came in and I said, "Hey, where are you from?" He was an American. He said, "I'm from Miami." And I said, "What do you go to school?" He said, "FIU." And that's where I went to school. I was like, "Oh my gosh!" I'm like in Hungary, and I'm meeting this guy who's like from the same university as me. Like, how wild is that? So we started talking. And I got, he had like objections about Christianity, and we were like kind of in an argument for two hours. And it was a fruitless argument. Anybody ever had a fruitless argument? You talked a long time, but you got nowhere. It's like you were like a little, you know, gerbil on the wheel, you yep. know. And then I had this kid on my on my team, freshman guy, football player, you know, it's my huge guy, uh, my Mike Creaney, and he, you could tell he was like listening to this whole. He didn't know anything what we were talking about, you know, but he was grieved for this young man who didn't know the Lord. And you could see it, you know, and as he was about to leave the bus, he said to him, I don't really understand anything what you guys are talking about. But I just want you to know that Jesus really does love you. And and this kid, you know, from FIU was like, okay. And, and I'll, I'll be honest with you, that one sentence did more for that guy than all our conversations. And the difference was, I was trying to win an argument, 
he was just loving the person. Does that make sense? And and that, if all that's all you get out of today, you know, I, I'm all about intentionality and strategy and, and methodology, but all of that is meaningless without the heart that's behind it. You know, where's your family from, by the way? Lebanon. Lebanon? Okay. The cedar tree. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Two people had their hand raised. Yeah, I will go to you first. Um, I was actually going to add on top of what she said. Not only in terms of autism, but also in terms special needs, I'm high functioning autistic, yet uh, my ex director comes to nature. He managed to get to know me on a personal level because he asked a lot of things. You know, what makes me tick? Uh, and a lot of it is like, So you know you know the struggle. Anyway, so <laughs> oh, you don't even know. I, I don't know. I, I talked to my son. You guys can like him. Uh, so yes. So that's that's awesome. How about you? What, what do you want to add? Um. So this whole time I've been talking about minority. I was actually thinking. Um. I guess because I've had so many friends who are minority, I was thinking of more along the lines of religious minority. Um, because of our career relationship, like with the domineering, you know, religion, and so, you know, all the other, like, my, my thing is that we have so many other disorders, specifically for people that were any other religion but Christian, <laughs> because there are, you know, there's so many cases where you can there's not anything for, you know, the other religion. Um, but my question was, like, how do you, how do you minister to those people without making all of other without making it seem like the only reason you have written them was to like convert them or or without being like too pushy about it? Because I know like you know I I grew up in a really small town for the person. You know I I grew up in a religion and still had to be forced to help me. So I mean I can't imagine you know believing something completely different like people being like no you're wrong you're going uh, you know, and, and not even necessarily saying that, but you know, saying it in a more understated way. And so, like, how do you like avoid that while still? That is an excellent, excellent question. And then, like, I struggle too with like if if I'm feeling like I'm not pushing up with it, like I'm not talking about it enough, but at the same time, I don't want to be too overwhelming with it. Okay. Well, let me say what I've got to say on that. Maybe some other people want to share some things, too. Um, I talked about motivation. And I think sometimes the motivation is to say, my Muslim friend came to Christ. And I'm a missionary. Like, I do this for a living. I want people to come to Christ. Okay? Like, not, literally nothing makes me happier than people coming to Christ. But that's not my job. Yeah. Like my job is to share. I can't convert anyone. And I think if you have that understanding, that right there is going to help you. Like people coming to Christ is the work of the Holy Spirit. You can participate in that work, but you cannot make it happen. And this is the way that I think about it. Anybody ever like planted a seed and you know like grown a plant from a seed? I personally find that fascinating. I'm like a city girl. I grew up in the concrete jungle of Miami. 
So like my, my husband loves to farm his way there in the back. He's awesome. So he's always like, we pretty much always had a garden, even when our like little pot was like this big and everything. He just loves to grow things. And you know, I'm like, and we, I mean, we grew stuff and it was awesome, we're like eating stuff that we grew. And then, you know, I had this like desire to grow something from a seed. To like start like tomato, a tomato plant from a seed. And I gotta be honest with you, I've had like, you know, somewhat success, it's gotten better over the years. But the, when I do it, I'm like so fascinated. I mean, really, I'm like so excited. I'm like, oh my gosh, this seed is sprouted because I just find it, I don't know, I, I feel like I'm gonna probably most likely kill it, so when I don't, I'm just so excited. <laughs> and then when it like actually grows to a full plant and like the whole like deal like actually gives it like fruit, I am like ecstatic. But here's the thing, and this is the same thing with like your own relationship with God and like, you know, taking God's word in and being a person, you know, spending time in prayer with Jesus and all that stuff. It's all the same kind of concepts, and that is this. They have, they have found seeds that are like a thousand years old and they have sown them and they have sprouted that's pretty awesome seeds are powerful things but here's something that they can't do they cannot sprout unless you sow them now here's the thing i cannot make a seed sprout but it will not sprout unless i sow it that that dynamic right there is the whole dynamic of the Christian life. I cannot, the, the, the work that the Holy Spirit is doing in my life, I cannot make that work happen. I cannot do that. That's, the Holy Spirit does it. I cannot do it. But if I don't sow God's word into my life, it will not happen. Does that make sense? The Holy Spirit does it. He does not do it because I do it. He does it all on his own. But if I do not sow that word into my life, it doesn't happen. Does that make sense? So it's like, is it, is it my work? Is it what God does? It's kind of all in there. And it's the same thing if I'm like reaching to you. What is your name? Jessica. Jessica. Man, I hope that if, if Jessica is my non-Christian friend, that I am truly broken for the fact that Jessica is lost. And I hope that, that, that like, I don't know if I'm doing enough, that where I manifest the most of that is in prayer. That, that I'm, you know, I'm like, sowing i'm sowing prayers and it's okay to cry in those prayers you know what i mean that i'm broken god i don't want jessica lost i remember i had a student years ago and she was walking away from the lord she had come to christ and she was not walking away from the lord and it, and i was broken and i was praying in tears and i and i was and i'm sorry this offends you but i was just praying like this and i said hell no this is not going to happen i'm like no way no way no no no, I mean, I was just angry, you know what I mean? I was just angry, you know, with the devil and with her, you know, her walking, I was just, no, no. She's still serving the Lord, it's like 20 years now. You know, she, and she has some rocky bits here and there, but she's still walking with Jesus today. And, and here's the thing, it's okay to be passionate for someone's soul, but let that passion come out in your prayers. Then just love people. Don't make them a project. Yeah. Yeah. Okay? Uh, don't make like your value of your Christian life dependent on what happens in their life. Okay? So just pray for them and then love them. Yeah. And what God does, that's God's business. Does that make sense? Yeah. Now, I'm totally expectant. You know, one of my staff said, oh, we had the student. They're not walking with Christ. I said, they're not walking with Christ right now. Yeah. Not right now. Because I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And I have students who aren't walking with Christ right now, but I don't say, oh, they're not walking, walking with the Lord. I say, they're not walking with Christ right now. Because I'm praying for them to come back. And I'm expecting for them to come back. So we walk this like crazy line, don't we? Of like, I'm passionate, but I'm just loving them. And my value of them is not dependent on their conversion. It's not like, well, I, try, I gave you a year and you didn't do it, so I'm out of here. I don't care if I've been your friend 20 years. One thing is, I'm not going to give up. I had this, I made friends with a, a Chinese girl. First year we got married, I, I did their international orientation. I met this guy, Taiwanese guy. And then I said, I used to tell this witness when I was growing up. So I used like a play, uh, you know, play out of their book and said, do you want to have Bible study? How about we do it in your home, invite your friends? So, uh, which works really well, by the way. And so if you're gonna do like a Bible study with like non-Christians, do it in their house, not yours, because that way, you know, they're gonna show up. 
And then two, <laughs> if they're going to invite their friends, they're more like it's much more comfortable for them to invite them to their own homes. So you know, so he invited another Taiwanese guy who then went home, got married, brought his bride home, and we just hit it off instantly. She was a Spanish major, and you know, it was just like we had connection things, and she, so we just became instant friends. That was 1993, January 1993. She gave her heart to the Lord. Um, Two thousand something. We went and visited her in like 96. We went to Taiwan, 96, 97. Went there, spent a week with her in her home. Um, but you also got to be smart, right? I kept praying for her. You know, she, they went home. They weren't, they weren't here very long. They were home and you know, kept, had, a, had a, another guy here who was a Taiwanese guy who was like an evangelism machine. So she was going to Taiwan. I said, oh, can you check my friend again? <laughs> I found something. <laughs> could you please deliver this? Could you take this for my friend? Because I knew <laughs> if they met, she could talk to her in her own language. And she was going to share God with her because this one was an evangelism machine. And, and she brought it to the Lord. And that was, it was like 10 plus years. And so that's, you know, that is the Lord's business to, to like save people. It's our business to sort of save. And just it's not like get everybody's business confused. You know, it's like, well, why isn't that happening? Well, you're sowing seed. And then what, you know, if you're sowing seed, it's like, okay, Lord, I'm just freely, freely giving. He said, Jesus said, you freely receive, freely give. And I think that freely give doesn't just mean like, okay, you guys give not too, but it's like give it freely. Just give it. You know what I mean? Don't put strings on it. I'm your friend as long as you, you know, do this. Just just love people and everything else the Lord's will. Yes, sir. Yeah, so I know I love the fact that you're saying like not God just in life this one there. Um, I think I think it goes to break. Uh, one of my best friends is a seed. <laughs> and uh, a seed. I think that's the yeah with the turban yeah. and the, the little swords. But yeah, so um, he, um, a lot of a lot of like people like he's like look like, literally people could talk to me every day for three hours for like six years but, like I never heard like and I think that's just like a really powerful way of like okay like literally like yes we can so it's not like yes we can but at the same time that's not rooted in prayer that's not rooted in like you know fasting for them and understanding but, like you know ultimately it's God's timing like nothing. Yeah, fasting and prayer because you're you're there are strongholds. You know, it's not like oh my god, just see this magic word. Uh, I want to talk about the empowerment thing. So did you want to ask something else, uh, and then yeah. I want to move to empowerment. Yes. Uh, I wanted to try to answer your question, and, and hopefully yeah, uh-huh. have what she was saying. Um, but she was saying like how to reach out. You were saying how to like reach out to students, like how to be more engaged. Is that what the question was? Yeah, basically. The, the gist of it. Yeah, the gist. It's a push. Don't be pushy. Yes, that's good. That's good. Yes, let's talk about that. Um, so, over the summer, like, I kind of learned this too, and I'm still applying this to myself, and hopefully it'll work. But for me, like, when I try to reach out to people, like, when I talk to people, I try my best to like have them talk more than I talk. So that way you know more about them. Because the goal here is for you to hear their side, their beliefs, their, um, what they like to do, all this and that. So you know a lot more about them. And how to engage in that conversation. The conversation it's just like, I learned that matching their body language can really help too. And really just getting involved and just like, See like how you're interested. Just make it seem like you're interested in it. So hopefully that helps. Hopefully yeah, this so. is <laughs> Yes, sir. Remember you mentioned the book that the book? Yeah, I was just actually gonna mention that. I think one of the things that I thought about but I forgot, so I'm glad that you brought that back, uh, is also getting someone informed. Yeah. Okay, so if you're if you're making friends with a Muslim you know, getting doing a little research on your own, and one of our favorite uh, books of that is a book called for "Getting to Know uh, Muslim People." It's called uh, "Seeking Allah, Finding Jesus." 
And by Nabil Koresh, he was with the Lord now, but we had the pleasure of meeting a few years ago. And uh, so that's a great book. Uh, other, you know, I, I, I don't have like a ton of other book suggestions from like other different people groups. Uh, I, I, what I love about that book is it tells his testimony, but it also talks about what Muslims believe, but also how to reach Muslims. So it does all the things in one shop, and it's a pretty interesting book. And what's significant is the story is the university student. Yes. The I, I also love the Robbie Zacharias Great Conversations book if you want to understand like other religions. Uh, you guys know Robbie Zacharias. He has a, a series of books. One to, like, uh, you know, Jesus talks to Krishna. Jesus talks to uh, 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 Buddha. Yes, he doesn't have the Jesus. Uh, he's written it, but he's like publishing that pretty nice. And uh, anyway, so there's those are really good for like the core. Because sometimes we get we get we get uh, what's the word stuff on the externals. Does that make sense? And really, what you want to focus on is on the core of stuff. Uh, but I, I really believe this is this is silly. Okay, I, I'm so dependent on the Holy Spirit, I'm not giving you a lot of methodology because I really believe that if you're really praying and doing that fasting thing and caring and you're listening, that the things that you should say will come to you. I, am I crazy? Because I think that I, I just so have 100% faith that if you are praying for that person in true like intercession and brokenness and you're listening, that they're going to say something that maybe you're not gonna say something, but you're gonna ask a question. I remember me making friends with this girl who was a Baha'i when I was an intern, and we were, you know, sharing about stuff and telling about the Baha'is believe and all this stuff. And one day I said to her, I just have one question. What's the point? She told me about all this, like, you know, this whole like system of beliefs and stuff. I said, for us, the point of Christianity is that Jesus came so we can know God. What's the point of Baha'i, of the Baha'i faith? She looked at me for a solid two minutes and then said, I'll have to look into that. And so sometimes it's not something that we need to say, maybe something we need to ask. And I just feel like those things will come to the surface if we're praying and if we're listening. So let's talk really quickly, we don't have that much time left, about empowering to lead. Because this is sometimes the part that gets left out. I'm just real honest with you, I've been doing how for 30 years. And I know ministries that have been reaching international students for 25 years. And if I say, I'm like, are you guys reaching international? Oh yeah, we do this Thanksgiving dinner. And you know, we have a conversation partners. Do you have any like international leaders? Oh no. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna venture to say that if for 25 years you've been reaching international students and there's not like a leader in your Chi Alpha group that's an international student, that's a problem. Something is broken down in this system. And that would be the same with any other tribal or ethnic group. Okay. And so, how do we empower people to lead? Well, one is we have to actually believe they can. That may sound like a silly statement for me to make, but there is something in our brains that say to us, this person can't be as well as this other person. And I, I, this may be offensive to some of you, and I, I hope it's not but our country for, for the most part believes white people lead best. And it's kind of in our brain. And you know, like just today, I had a conversation with somebody, it was really funny. I was having this conversation with this guy, a fellow colleague in ministry. And awesome guy, I love him, told me things awesome. And then I wanted to meet this other, these other people and they came by and then he pretty much talked to the, like his, all his eye contact was with the, the guy that came and joined us after that and you know he probably didn't notice that that happened but I kind of picked up on it because we tend to think that men lead better than women we tend to think that white people lead better than non-white people we tend to think that tall people lead better than short people <laughs> you notice you cannot if you're not over 5'10", 5'11", 6 feet tall you cannot be you cannot be the president of this country you will never get you will never win an election isn't that, a, isn't that a weird fact about our country? You can, ever since we've had TV, only tall people get elected as president. Okay. Not a joke. Look it up. It's true. It's real stuff. There's called something called tall privilege. Look, think of the movies. Tall privilege. It is. 
a girl said to me, a girl said this to me, a uh, Peruvian, Peruvian a gal I know who's a staff worker with Pi Alpha. We were driving, uh, we had a long car trip one time, and she said to me, well, Belkis, it's easy for you, you know, because you're tall. I was like, what? And at first I just dismissed her, like, that's a bunch of nonsense. But then I thought about it, and I thought, well, it's true. Like, in this culture, height is really valued. I'm really tall for a Cuban. Cuban people are, are little. You know, I, my family's tall for some bizarre reason. I don't know why. And uh, and so, like, for a tall woman, I'm like, really, for a Cuban woman, I'm really tall. Like, all the Cuban people I know are, like, about this size, you know? And uh, and some of them are, like, really small. You know what I mean? So I'm, I'm like, you know, like a giant for a Cuban woman. <laughs> and... Uh, and for an American woman, I'm like, I'm, I'm not short either, you know? So I kind of fit in. Does that make sense? I look like a leader because I'm tall. If I was like 5'4", five, 5'2", five, maybe you would see. So there's just like things that are in our brain that we don't realize are always there. And so the first thing that we have to do is ask ourselves, why don't I think this person for me? Personality. Talked about tribals and special needs and ethnicities. Personality, we tend to think extrovert to very Please work quiet. You're an introvert. Raise your hand proudly. Aye. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, there you go. Uh, I know some phenomenal leaders who are introverts. My husband's basically an introvert. He's a very social introvert. How he recharges his batteries is going and sitting in the street for eight hours. If you made me do that, I would, I don't want to say I shoot myself because my, my, I have an assistant from South Dakota. She doesn't like when I make comments like that. Uh, but I would not be happy. I would, I, my gosh, how boring is that? And I like people. I want to go to a place where there's people, not a place where I'm by myself. Like for me, when I was a college student, I would like discipline myself to go have a meal by myself, like like me and Jesus kind of thing. That was like that was like my major growth area. I'm gonna go to breakfast all by myself for a cube of tea by themselves. I wouldn't do anything by yourself, but like eating a meal by yourself is so hard. So I made myself do like the discipline of solitude, you know. And the biggest, I can do that in a room, but going to a restaurant by yourself, that is so huge. You can do that. I, I still can't do like a movie theater. How do you go to the movie theater by yourself? Raise your hand. Well, my sister does that, kind of out of the thing, but I can never even imagine doing that. Like, what's the point? You know what I mean? So, yeah. So, so, we have to get over. So, empowering people to lead is we need to start looking at the people in our Pi Alpha groups, like those freshmen, and start looking at them with eyes of faith. And saying, this person could, look at every person in Pi Alpha group as like, this person could be the president of Pi Alpha. They could be the president of Pi Alpha. And not because they, they look all together. They could be like the messiest looking person ever. But Jesus takes messy people and he makes them awesome. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's, of course, the whole David story, right? You know, here's a guy, he's a prophet. He's supposed to be in tune with God. <laughs> and he's like, this is the guy. This is the guy. No, that's not him. Oh, and this one is definitely the guy. He was already like, he, he was like, he formed a stereotype because Saul was like, you know, had taller than everybody else. He already like was like, kings need to be tall. And then, you know, then he's like, oh, what? You're going to have a, t he's going to be not tall? What is this, Lord? I, I don't know what to do with that. So, you know, that's, we have to get over our thoughts of what is leadership look like. Leadership is behavior. Okay? That's actually true. That's like documented, you know, research-based Back Leadership is behavior. Leadership is not personality. Leadership is things we do. If you're like, how do I be, a, what does it mean to lead? It means someone's following you. But if you think you're a leader and no, and no one's following you, just out for a walk. <laughs> okay? So how do I get people to follow me? I don't know. Because the reason people follow me is not the same reason people follow Mark. You have to figure out what that reason is. This is what I teach leaders that I work with, is you need to figure out why people follow you, and you need to become excellent at that. People follow me because they think, like, I'm going to help them, like, have this awesome connection with God, because, like, I'm a teacher, and I'm going to, like, let's pray together, and, you know, let's get in the Word, you know what I mean? And so they follow me. 
uh, and the people, like in my Chi Alpha group, when I was a local Chi Alpha pastor, you know, the, the, especially like the gals or guys, because like, you know, I, I really interact well with men. Uh, uh, the, you know, the people that would connect to me were the people who were really hungry for that. The people who were just kind of like getting in, they just, I terrified them. I'm overbearing and I'm loud and I'm intense and I left them to understanding. <laughs> you know? They were better with that. And I do go in certain culture groups and not others. And you know what? That's okay because we're the body of Christ. And we, we try to be all things to all people, but the reality is we can't be. And we need the body to all work together. So empowering people to lead is one, thinking that they can, giving them the room to do so, and sometimes taking the back seat. If you're not willing to take the back seat, you won't be developing leaders. Believing that they can, giving them the room to become leaders and taking the back seat, which is a little bit of part of giving them the room. Is that number two? Did I get that wrong? That guy got right. Okay. Sometimes I say things at the top of my head. I don't know. Uh, so giving, you know, taking the back seat. How many were the ALC? Who was at the ALC? So like, you know, one of the things that I, I tried to do with the ALC, it was like my baby, uh, is, you know, Mary, you know, Mary Lyons, who is from Georgia, so you guys know Mary. Uh, you know, I said, Mary, you be the director of the ALC. And so, you know, I'm training her to, into that job. But, you know, sometimes that we sometimes do is we don't, we don't feel comfortable with people doing things. And so there were times, I'm just to be honest with you, even times during the actual event that I wanted to say stuff. I'm a talker, I always have something to say, right? My brain's you know? But, and she's like, okay, I'm gonna wrap up this service. And then it was such a temptation to say, oh, let me do it. Because I have this really cool thing to say. Such a temptation. And you know what, if I would have done that, she would have said, that's fine. She's so gracious. But I had to say no to myself. I had to say, let her do it. I had to say, if God wants it said, He can say it through her. Does that make sense? And the biggest thing we have to trust in this in this world is trust the Lord. And you know, sometimes we're like critical of leadership. This is not really related to our topic, but you know, I'm just being honest. You know, maybe this is, this is like from somebody. You know, we can be critical of leaders. And for me, like me, I, I work with a lot of leaders. I work with all national leaders. And the temptation to criticize somebody else's work is always there. And I think, oh, if I was doing it, I'd do it this way. Anybody ever had that thought? Come on. Come on. If I was doing it, I'd do it this way. And this is what I tell myself when that thought comes to my mind. If God wanted it done that way, he can tell me. He's a big God. He doesn't need me watching out for him. <laughs> right? He doesn't need my help. It's not like, oh, if only someone would defend me. Belkis, please help me out. No, he's a big guy. If God wants it done that way, he can get it done that way. Maybe God's got something going on that I don't know about, and I need to mind my own business. Okay? I have things he's asked me to do, and I better make sure I'm about those things and not about somebody else's business. Anyway, that's another story. So empowering people to lead. I had talked to somebody recently, and they said, if we put people in leadership, if we have a diversity of leadership, we will have that like healthy family where we're all bringing a little bit of ourselves in and the different cultures of who we are are going to come in and, and we're going to have this healthy ministry. And I said that would be nice but it's not always true. Because I have sat, I've been to those Chi Alpha groups where there's a diversity of leadership and what goes on is a little bit more experience. So it's a nice thought. We like it to be that way. We want it to be that way, but why does it happen? Why doesn't it happen? Well, partly it doesn't happen. I'm going to put it. So like, you know, sometimes it seems like I'm picking the white people. I'm going to pick everybody else now and say it probably doesn't happen, not because of the white people. It's happened because of the non-white people. Because if I'm here, I have to make a choice. I am who I am. 
you know, Mark, Mark interacts with me a lot, and so I get picked, he's pick, getting picked on today. You know, I keep talking about him, and he's probably eight second in the expert. Uh, but here I go again, sorry, Mark. Mark knows that I'm kind of a loud prayer. Am I a loud prayer, Mark? I, I pray in tongues a lot, because it's like, it's powerful, we should do it. And it's a gift from God, so why not? And I need it, because I'm like a weak person, and I need all the strength I can get. And so if the Holy Spirit's wanting to help me out, why am I messing where, where I say no? Uh, so, you know, I pray in tongues a lot, and I pray I pray in tongues loudly, like, you know, not like in public places, but, you know, I'll get a prayer meeting, or find my, my own prayer time, and, uh, you know, our staff prayer. And, and, and I probably do that. I don't limit who I am and who I am culturally in the situations that I am, for the most part, because the body needs me to not limit myself. Does that make sense? Sometimes those of us, the people of color in our, in our groups, are limiting ourselves. We're not being all of who we are, and we're not being all of like the strength of our culture that would be a blessing to the body. You know, like one of the things that I challenge my staff in a lot is to be intercessors and to be, you know, prayer warriors. I feel like that's a strength of, of my culture, Christianity, is a Latin American. We're, we're prayer warriors, and we like you know get in there. And we we grew up around witchcraft. Like I'm from Cuba, like we have witchcraft all over the place. We know the devil's real. You know what I mean? We we just grew up around it. We we're just we're very comfortable with spiritual warfare and stuff like that. We're not weird and crazy about that person. I don't know about other people, but personally, I just you know I just see it in the normal range. And and so I I feel like if I don't bring who I am and that part to my staff, then I'm withholding that from them. Does that make sense? Like I can just flow and just kind of like go with the norm. Oh, what's the norm in this room? Okay, let me go with the norm. I can do that, but then I'm not bringing a blessing to the body. For one thing, when I'm just myself, maybe it gives, people, maybe it gives you the liberty to just be yourself. But like, oh, well, Buck is his friend the way she does. Maybe I can do that too. And that's helpful. And maybe if you're like never prayed like that, you're like, oh, I'm really going to do it intensely. You know, God teach me how to pray like that. Does that make sense? When we limit ourselves, we're not blessing the body. So, you know, there's a challenge. The gospel has a challenge for everybody. If you think you're going to get a pass, nobody gets a pass. Okay? So, all, so empowerment is a two-way street. I have to be given, I have to give somebody the space, but they have to take it up too. So if you're a leader, how many of you are a leader in your Kyle? I guess we're three minutes over. The dance party has begun. Uh, if you're a leader in Kyle group, then, <laughs> then lead. And if there's there's some parts of whether whether it's ethnically, culturally, socially, intellectually, whatever, if there's some parts that you can help make that body stronger and you're not doing that, that's not right. When I was first, like, God first started using me prophetically, especially in, like, services, like, to speak out the prophecy, I gotta tell you, that's a terrifying thing for me. Anybody else? Like, that's terrifying. I, that's not my comfort level, even to this day. I don't like doing that. I do not like doing that. Shy people do not want to, like, talk out in front of, like, the whole group. Like, this is more comfortable, but like you're there, it's quiet, all of a sudden you're gonna be, I hate that. <laughs> hate it. And the only way that God makes me do it, because he knows my, my, the way my brain works, is to say this to me. If you don't share this, you're keeping a blessing from my body that I want to give them. And then I'm like, oh, I guess I have to say it now. Right? So we gotta find our perspective and the thing that motivates us. That's what motivates me. I, I never wanna keep anything from God's body that he has given. And it also like inspires me and gives me comfort as a minister and as a leader in that I don't put faith in my own ability. And I, I think this may be for a lot of you guys here, so I want you to listen to this as well close with. I don't put faith in my own ability. You're like, oh, because you're cool and stuff, because you've been doing this a long time and you have skills and stuff. But here's the thing. The Bible says in John chapter 3, which I get, you know, we talked about this morning in the service. Um, flesh gives birth to flesh, the spirit gives birth to spirit. You cannot produce spiritual of the spirit fruit with of the flesh seed. It doesn't matter how talented you are or how non-talented you are. If you want to grow spiritual fruit, you have to sow spiritual seed. And the word spiritual means of the spirit. Okay? 
okay? You have to sow things of the spirit to, to grow things of the spirit. So I don't put confidence in my ability. Mostly I put confidence in who God is. If I have a speaking engagement and I'm like, oh God, I don't know what to say. The other day I was in Chicago, literally had to speak at this church, had been booked for weeks. Not a word from the Lord about what I was just saying until the moment I'm standing up with my face. Okay. Kind of a nerve-wracking experience. I'm like, I thought we were past this, Lord. Because <laughs> um, I went through like a year and a half with the Lord with that. Like, I thought we had that lesson. Like, we moved on, you know? So, but, and whether like the Lord speaks to me two months in advance or in that moment, my confidence is in this. God loves these people. And he wants to minister to them. So your confidence in yourself may be like negative. And you may be thinking about that that friend that you have, this gal back here saying, how do I minister to this person? You may be thinking about that person. And, 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 and when we think those thoughts, what are we thinking about? Us. I don't know it a lot. I, I'm not that knowledgeable. I don't, you know, I, I, you know, I don't know what to say. And, and what we need to do is start thinking about ourselves and say, start thinking about them and say, God loves them. We're working on this campus. I don't have a clue how anything's going to happen. But I just tell myself all the time, God loves these students. And he is going to He is going to do a work in their life because he loves them and he's able. He's willing and he's able. So what's going to stop him? Who's going to stop him? Let's stand and let's pray. If God wants to do something, who's going to stop him? That's what I want to know. He's a big guy. All right, let's hand, I love to hold hands because I like to be the body. We're all connected. It's so awesome. Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord some praise. We just give you praise, oh Lord. You're so awesome. Praise doesn't involve like actually speaking, guys. Uh, we, just, we just think you're awesome and we love you. And Father, we just, I thank you for all of these students and this staff that's in this room. And Lord, you, you can do so much to them, so much more than they think that you can do through them. And I pray that there would be just like a, a sigh that takes off from their shoulders and a weight that comes off their shoulders and they're like, I don't have to be awesome. I don't have to be great. I don't have to be phenomenal. I can just be connected to you, Jesus, and you're gonna do stuff through me. And Father, this stuff that we didn't have, didn't have enough time to talk about, if we just do a few things, you will lead us into the next steps and the next steps and the next steps. And I pray that you just show the next step to each of these people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.